Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick, and you're listening to the Fetus Club episode number five for the month of August 2008. Utah is now its own country. Hello and welcome everyone to the PDS Club, the wonderful show where we bring you news from everywhere around the world, commented by people from everywhere around the world and have a huge amount of fun doing it. And of course, for this show, the, the around the world part is going to be two countries because <laughs> we have a one-on-one. -on -one. Some people that I'm not going to name were supposed to be here and they weren't, so I hate them forever. <laughs> anyway, let's not uh, spend too much time on this and welcome my wonderful friend, Scott Johnson. How are you, Scott, today? I'm very good. Thank you, Patrick, for having me. It's an it's a honor and a thrill to be here and something I've been looking forward to for quite some time. Well, thank you. The honor is all mine. Um, so Scott, of course, as you may know, is the host of uh, The Instance, that uh, a show that I'm also familiar with, and Extra Life Radio, and uh, quite a few things, actually. You're a, an internet podcast webcomic wonder, aren't you? Well, sometimes I wonder if that's what you mean. But no, I, I do keep myself pretty busy. I have... Uh, The, the webcomic and the blog and the community and the two shows, uh, primarily those two shows and a few other projects. And I've decided that uh, I used to think that I was, you know, pretty prolific and had a lot going on. But I'm starting to think that Patrick is slowly creeping up my, uh, my tailpipe. He's going to take over my workload uh, before <laughs> too long because you're doing a lot of stuff now, man. Well, I'm trying. I have time. What am I going to do? What are you going to do at that time? Yeah, exactly. Except useless crap on the internet. It, indeed. Stuff that nobody really can find value in that eventually we'll forget about, and uh, that's what we're all about. You, do you ever think about this, like when you're 80 years old and you have grandkids and everything, and they come to you and they tell you, Granddad, what have you done with your life? And you, you can tell them, well, you know, this, uh, these, these weird characters that you uh, know from the internets? That was me. <laughs> Yeah, that was me. I actually thought a lot about what this will all sound like or be like when I'm, let's say, 85. <laughs> you know, what is this all about? And since that's just a short decade away, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> since that's a long ways away, who knows what the what the environment will look like? But I do often wonder, you know, will will the stuff I'm doing today be considered, a, you know, something that's a little pioneering for its time? Will it be looked upon as a weird fad that kind of came and went? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I know that I'm having a ball right now, and I know my kids, as young as they are, seem to love it and love to be a part of it. And I guess that's all you can do is live in the now and hope some of this stuff sticks. Well, if anything else, you're having fun and your family is having fun with you. So That's all that counts. As far as I'm concerned, if you go beyond that, you start, you'll start being disappointed because you can't actually, you know, yeah. force any of this stuff to happen. So if you can get those two basic things going, I think you'll be okay. I agree. Um, so I guess most people who listen to this show uh, also know you, but they might not know everything about you. 
well, some people probably do, but they're the scary people, so we're not yeah. going to uh, care about those. But um, So we have quite a few things we need to talk about um, in this show. Well, actually, two main things, which most people have probably guessed already. But before we get into that, into the international news, I wanted to talk a little bit about you. The Scott Johnson, because most people might not know this and might even be surprised by it, but you are, well, first of all, where do you live? What's your uh, city living and, uh, more importantly, religious condition? Uh, well, condition, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a word I chose, yeah, I chose very carefully. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, I'm used to words like affiliation or uh, uh <laughs> I don't know what else, but I like that. I think I'll use that from now on. Um, I am I'm, uh, born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, home of the 2002 Winter Olympics. I always bring that up because that's about the most famous thing ever Okay, uh, that Salt Lake is famous for. Actually, we're famous for a few things. If any of you are geeks, especially you, uh, you international listeners who enjoy Knight Rider, I'm happy to report that uh, the opening sequence to Knight Rider, the old show, is filmed out on the uh, Great Salt Great Salt Lake Flats, the Salt Flats out near the Great Salt Lake. Wow, so, so not old, what I was expecting to hear. <laughs> I have a lot of little weird, little quirky things like that. Um, and it's also very famous for the Mormons. Yeah, the LDS people, the Mormon people. This is really, you know, the main city or the main place founded by those who, uh, those early pioneers who left in the 1800s and headed this way. Um, early 1800s. Okay. So my my image of the Mormons in general, and I realize this is obviously since I've known you for a little bit, completely ridiculous. But my image is people in funny clothes um, yeah. who don't maybe I'm not very clear on it, but might be the ones who don't use electricity, who have weird hats and can't <laughs> do anything. That's my. Wait image. a minute, you've got us mixed up with um, the Amish people. The Amish, the Amish, yes, yeah, the Amish, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a funny that's a funny um, image, and I don't know if it's just an international image. Actually, the church has a lot of stuff going on in France, but uh, rel relatively speaking, not nearly as much as it does in the U.S. So it's probably not easy to to get your eyes on on any real Mormons. But mm. you know, a lot of people see Mormon missionaries, two guys in white shirts and tags, going door to door, and they get this impression that well, that's there's your Mormons. That must be all of them. They all have to dress like that and act like that. And I think they. It's it's definitely a misconception, but I, I don't know that it's a necessarily unwarranted one. Generally, church members are uh, accused of being uh, super nice and really friendly, and will make you cookies. And wow, that's you know, horrible. They, they go <laughs> they go to church every Sunday, and they kind of live uh, you know they live a, a relatively um, I don't want to call it an old fashioned lifestyle because. I don't know that it's old-fashioned in the Amish sense of old-fashioned at all. So, so what you're saying is that you're normal people? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, that's the bottom line. Yeah, we're but, more we're, okay, we're normal. What, or, what to, to people who don't know what makes uh, what makes up the the Mormon faith? What what the, differentiates you from other faiths and other people? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I can I can tell you at the core the 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 core beliefs of the church are simply this. Uh, there's uh, a, a a strong belief in Christ, uh, and that's really the core of the whole thing. Um, some you know some say ah oh, Mormons aren't Christian because they you know they got their little extra book, the Book of Mormon, and they got uh, they listen, they read the Bible, but they read that too, and so they can't be Christian. And I don't know why that is necessarily. It seems like somebody. It seems like a religion that that does nothing but talk about sort of living Christ-like lives and figuring out how to follow the teachings of Christ and this sort of things. It mm. seems like that would make you Christian, but I don't want to get into those semantics because those are age-old and I don't even okay. care. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's nothing that, like, there's no rule that says you can't drink or you can't do this or you can't do that or... Nothing uh, the like drinking that. thing's a good question. Uh, there is a... The actual word of it, or the actual name of it is called the Word of Wisdom. Okay. It's basically a really strong recommendation, and it's it's kind of a health guideline. It's been in the church forever, and the 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 guideline or the recommendation is: don't drink, don't smoke, um, don't eat stuff that's bad for you. Eat moderate in things like you know red meat. Mm. Don't go crazy and just eat steak every weekend. <laughs> uh, 
again, these are more they're more guidelines. They're not like rules. So, it's not like you smoke, you're out of the religion or anything like that. Okay. It's just a they're general sort of health guidelines. So you're not going to get uh, like ousted of the church if you drink too much or something. Well, no, if okay. you drink too much and beat your wife up, maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, little things like that that sometimes okay. drinking can lead to, but well, well, um, sure. well, just never know, appealed to me. Yeah, yeah, I I'm French, so I have to, it's like a requirement to taste wine, at least. A and eat bit, cheese. So. Yeah, you got to yeah. do both. Yeah. But, so this, I grew up with friends that, you know, have the same guidelines I do, and they were drunk every weekend. So, <laughs> it, you know, people do what they do. And they and they want to be whatever they want to be, and and in this case, uh, it's just good smart way to sort of be healthy. I mean, the the numbers show it. This our state has like the lowest cases of heart disease, the lowest cases of um, uh, lung related disease related to smoking, all those sorts of things, and that makes sense. I mean, you have more people abstaining, sure. and therefore it's going to show up in the statistics. But yeah. Okay, let's not spend the whole show on Mormons, but uh, I'm glad that we got to know your kind a little bit better. My kind. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, okay, so let's, uh, let's go straight into the international news uh, right now. So, international news, we have two items, I think, that we're going to be talking about. And uh, obviously, they are going to be uh, the Russia-Georgia issue and then the Olympics. Um, I think yeah. those are the two main ones we had for this month. Um, so, let's start with Russia because, boy, if we had recorded this show yesterday, it would have been a different one. Um, no. let's, let's, uh, do, do you want to explain the situation or should I do it? Uh, you go ahead. You've got a little bit more of a handle on how, uh, um, like, what's happened today. I've been a little okay. bit short on news, but I, I, I kind of have the gist of it. I'd like to hear how you describe it. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. A few weeks ago, um, South, South Ossetia and, um, well, Georgia went into South Ossetia because South, South Ossetia is a separatist uh, state and they wanted to put things in order, South Ossetia being a part of Georgia. And so is uh, Ab Abkhazia? Abkhazia. I'm not sure of the Abkhazia. English name. I think it's Abkhazia. Ab Abkhazia, I think. Is Ab how you Abkhazia. Say it. Okay, Abkhazia. Um, and the thing is, um, Russia is very happy with uh, South Ossetia being a separatist state because they have claims on the land. And also, uh, the reason why they have claims on the land is that uh, it's very important uh, for economic reasons, of course. It's basically at the base of everything that's been happening for the past few weeks. So what they did is that they entered Georgia, which is a different country, and said, uh, you guys leave uh, South Ossetia alone, because if they want to be independent or attached to Russia, if that case happens at some point, then they have the right to be. But of course, it's uh, Georgia is a sovereign country, and they uh, uh, most people agree that they should be um, free to handle their affairs uh, autonomously and without the, the intervention of Russia. So it was a very uh, unexpected move on the part of Russia because it was very violent. They entered and started basically a war. Um, and it, the situation has evolved since then uh, because at first the world th thought um, I'm, I'm just going to go through the stages that my country went through with everything that happened and then you'll tell me uh, how you felt about it. Sure, um, and can I, can I ask you a quick question too? Sure. Wasn't France and still isn't this true, isn't France sort of, because the EU leadership kind of rotates. Am I, am I right about that? Absolutely. Like when it comes to international issues like this not just economic but otherwise it rotates around and my understanding is that during this crisis, France was in charge. Yes, absolutely. France is in charge at the moment. So um, when it first happened, uh, I would say that most people were in, in the country saw that with a little bit of helplessness. They thought, you know what, They're, the Russians have gone in. Uh, it's probably wrong, but we don't think there's anything we can do about it because uh, no one's going to stop them. 
And then uh, a few days into it, what happened is that Sarkozy went to meet um, with uh, both uh, presidents and uh, he said, uh, who are uh, Medvedev for Russia and uh, Saakashvili for uh, Georgia, and he managed to put together a sort of treaties, a, a peace accord with several steps that would um, that would uh, allow the situation to be re re uh, resolved. And at that point, we were like, mm, well, you know what? Maybe there's something he can do. It, it, they agreed on the treaties, on the treaty, and they're, they're, they're all um, uh, on the same page on what should happen. So huh, maybe discussion can happen and maybe we can do something about it. And then in the next few days, um, every day, Russia was saying, yes, we're out of Georgia, that's it, we're gone, and uh, everything's going to be okay. And the reports on, uh, uh, on the, the, um, in the country, in Georgia, were, um, well, you know what, the Russian soldiers are just outside our uh, doors. So I don't know yeah. what you're hearing from the, yeah. from the Russian officials, but uh, they're still here. So everyone was like, huh, so what's happening? What are you saying? Uh, what the hell are you waiting for? Why are you saying this and doing that? And sort of confused uh, in, in France also. And then um, today, the, the, the big reveal of that situation was that the Russian parliament uh, and the president declared that uh, Abkhazia and Ossetia, and Ossetia uh, South Ossetia, were two independent republics and they had the right to do whatever the hell they please, uh, whatever the hell they want. So in other words, giving, uh, giving them the rights and the, um, the recognition that they're not, that they're robbing Georgia. Is that, am I getting that right? Yeah, which is sort of contentious because, of course, Russia is another country. So they recognize those two countries, but, of course, they have the right to recognize anyone they want. But it's like, uh, I don't know, if uh, Utah, let's say uh, Mormons declare, you know what, Utah is now its own country, um, <laughs> <laughs> which would be interesting. And you would it have no... You you would be you would have no healthcare problem if I understand you correctly, but um, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> uh, but and then you know um, everyone in the U.S. would be whoa hey wait you know what you're still a state of the United States right and France would come in and say uh, hey uh, that, this looks cool I think this is a country and we're gonna send uh, an embassy and we're gonna establish uh, uh, diplomatic relationships with, with you and you are now uh, the country of Utah. So mm. it's not that we don't have the right to do it. It's just that it's most people would say it's not really as our business. And this yeah. was a very uh, weird, uh, unexpected at least, move from, um, from the Russian president. And he went as far as to say, we're not afraid of anything and we're not afraid of another Cold War. If that's what you want to do, let's get into it. So again, yeah. we're like, what the hell? Uh, there and is there anything we can do about it so that's yeah. the the basis of the story and uh, so now i'm going to you how did you guys see it well you know i don't know how many people i speak for when i say this i hope that's always hope the issue on this show but um, yeah give us an I, it's difficult to say and i guess that's the point is to hear different opinions but i'm this happened and it was obvious that i nobody nobody here thinks this was a good move nobody here thinks russia is right at all in any of this um, and nobody I've talked to, and I, and I can't imagine why they would be. This just seemed like a, this weird, aggressive move. Um, and it, it also seemed to come as, as a strange time to happen during the Olympics and during a time when, you know, internationally, generally, countries kind of, you know, aim a little higher, maybe mm. a little bit. Uh, at the very least, they're trying to show themselves as, as uh, you know, strong competitors during the Olympics, and they, they want people to, to see them as, as cool and all that. Yeah. Um, Everybody I think it shows Ru Russia d just doesn't care what the world thinks. But that yeah. does definitely feel that way. But you know what? I guess where where my heart in all of this was was less about this happening. It, my problems were with the way that my country responded, mm -hmm. um, and because part part of it is because they had they had to respond in a way that was you know a strong response. They had to condemn it. But they had to do so a little bit in shoes that are, you know, slightly hypocritical. Mm. Um, 
And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I hear the I hear the 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 ambassador, uh, the U.S. ambassador to Russia. I guess I think is who he was. I can't remember now, but I heard this the interview on CNN, and he condemned the them for you know he says uh, the, the time in this world for overthrowing leaders and assuming occupation of other countries is gone <laughs> as and in thought, like it, it, it's gone it got gone like two years ago when you were done with overthrowing when when saddam was ex- he was executed. actually executed i guess i guess that's what his thinking was but i heard that and i went and he actually tacked on in europe <laughs> um, and later that uh, later that day, that same day, I think it was, I heard John Stewart making fun of that comment about the whole Europe thing, and okay. uh, rightly so because it just strikes me as a little bit. You know what? We do not have the moral. I don't know if that's even the right word, but the moral um, ground to mm. stand here and say and and to express our opinions and say, look, we think that they made a mistake by occupying mm. a country and the people didn't have a choice and all this sorts of stuff when when we are arguably doing very similar things for for did, different motives but did, maybe similar things did, did anyone in the media or in the press uh make that comment or was it just john Stewart? oh sure oh sure yeah i can't you heard people comment at all all the time although i don't i don't think it was as um I don't think I don't think it was made as big as it probably could have been and should have been mm. because I think it's a, I think it's significant uh, that we look at another superpower and whether we like it or not, no matter how damaged perhaps the Soviet Union became in the '90s um, in terms of economics and just world power and, and influence in general, there's still a world power mm. and and a significant one. And for us to to look at look them in the eye and say, "Shame on you." Mm. for having your own weird motivations and for taking this into your own hands and for busting into a country and taking the thing over, basically, mm. with force. I mean, we did that, and we're doing that. Yeah. And I know there are people who would say, wow, our reasons are different. We've got good motivations for our stuff. We needed to stop terrorism and yeah. all that. But an equal number of people would say, well, no, we just needed to really control oil production, just like you know, Russia needs to control natural gas pipelines, yeah. and they have, they have other reasons that they do things. And, yeah. Which and is, so I, I just I just feel like we didn't have a lot of ground to stand on, and it, and it illustrated some of my my problem lately, or when I say lately, the last three or four years, in our country's ability to take moral high ground and to actually take a leadership role yeah. in situations like this and do something about it. It lessens the, it lessens our our potency, I guess well, is the word I'm looking. For. I guess it's interesting that the press did talk about it in those terms because I have a feeling that a few years ago it might not have happened. But um, it, it, we have we also have a certain amount of uh, hypocrisy in in our countries because um, a few months ago, six months ago, ago um, Kosovo declared its own independence, uh, which didn't make which made Russia sort of unhappy too, um, and NATO just approved. They were like, "Yeah, okay, cool. Kosovo is independent. That's it." And Russia wasn't very happy about that. So. In a way, the, how is that situation different? Of course, there are lots of differences, but um, you know, the the South Ossetia is actually part. If there's a South Ossetia, there's a North Ossetia, and it's one of those um, places that was divided by the um, USSR to to uh, stomp on the national identity. So a part of it was part of, uh, I think, well, Russia proper, and the other part was part of the Georgian uh, uh, part of the country. So it, it, they have some claim that Ossetians should be allowed to be back together. Um, there's also, you know, there's a, it was a long-winded process. It wasn't like all of a sudden, uh, and and I think um, uh, Saakashvili was talking about this, it wasn't like it happened overnight. Uh, in 2006, for example, 5,000 Georgian nationals um, who were living and established in Russia uh, were just ousted from the country and sent home, uh, sent to, to Georgia to, to sort of uh, diminish the Georgian inf- influence in, in Russia. They, they also, Russia also cut off uh, air traffic between Russia and Georgia. So it's not like it happened overnight. And I guess there's an ar- argument to be said, uh, to be made about us waiting until the the last second to do something. And even then, maybe we're not even doing anything. But mm-hmm. 
Uh, I, I wonder if you if you've heard about all those different things that led to this conflict, or you just um, in America woke up to it and were like, "Ooh, whoa, what's happening?" Without well, I, there's definitely a bit of that. Um, this wasn't really on anyone's radar, and I, I mean, the 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 radars in the U.S. are are pretty fixed on the upcoming election. That's huge here right now. Hmm. Um. I don't know what's different about this election other than this is a major change potentially mm. uh, in leadership and, and, and yeah. who's going to be in charge. And so there's a lot of, a lot of focus on the elections mm. and a lot of focus you, on Obama and McCain and Altman and yeah. everything in between. Um, uh, you, so I think this came out of nowhere. I think this was like a yeah. total, total freak thing that people are like, what? There's, why would they go in there? And they had to get, you know, they had to get educated if they wanted to find out what led to these things. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to ask about um, for this topic, we've gone a little bit long already. Um, the real question to, to me is, uh, what can we do now? What can we do anyway? It's not like whatever we say, we're not going to go to war with Russia. That's unthinkable. So is it going to be like uh, economic uh, sanctions? Is it uh, here again? We're back to the helplessness. I think uh, the the. Um, uh, Ah, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, Kushner, who was actually one of the founding uh, people in uh, Doctors Without Borders, said, you know what, our treaties that we got was to stop the madness in Georgia proper. And in that sense, he it succeeded, even if we thought, hey, it was useless. And now he's saying we need to talk and those things take time and we're not going to go to war. But, you know, even if there's nothing we can do, we're going to do something. It, even if it seems like there's nothing we can do, we're going to do something. And it's probably not going to be war, but we are going to do something. Do you guys yeah. feel like you have to go to war? Because the U.S. Have been, has been really strong worded about what's been happening. And I can't I don't, imagine you going to war with everything no, that's happening. No, there's, no, there's not going to be any kind of war with Russia. If there is, it's a long way off, and it's based on a lot of other things that would have to happen between now and then. But what this feels like a little bit is Russia is a little kid on top of a stool holding onto a cookie jar, and the mom comes in and says, what are you doing? You're not allowed to get up there. I told you. You'll be in trouble. We'll ground you. And that kid is just saying, I don't care. And he dumps the cookies on the floor. Yeah. Um, it's it's a little like that. If if Russia is not going to respect international treaties and international law, or the sovereignness of any nation, why? If if they don't respect that already, why would they be motivated not to do it? And the only thing I can think of is if is if the rest of the world uh, united in some way with either some sort some form of serious sanctions or, um with a you know a military threat and i i just can't i just don't see when that happens or what circumstances have to be in place for that to happen again it is a you know in a way this is going to sound really terrible maybe but in a way i was it, it brings me back to cold war talk mm. and i preferred that over you know hot war hot war yeah <laughs> so well, I, i would like i wouldn't mind if we could throw all the hot wars away and be done with that and restore peace in certain places and be done with that and then just let the Cold War happen again because that just mm. makes a lot of movies and, uh, <laughs> it, you know, people aren't shooting each other in the face as much and it's, it's a lot less yeah. of a violent situation. But I don't, I don't know. I think you're right that people, are, there's a little bit of throw your hands up and, you know, what yeah. do we do? Well, I like this image of the, the kid throwing the cookies on the floor, but... Um Yeah, I guess that's what it looks like to most people. Um, okay, let's go back uh, to our second topic, uh, which is the Olympics. And two things that can link those two topics together. The Winter Olympics are going to happen in 2014 uh, in Russia, in Sochi. Sochi, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it was I interesting to make that parallel. And uh, in uh, the uh, Beijing uh, Olympics... Uh, Russians and Georgian athletes uh, had a little hug moment, which was very awkward for everyone, but was, you know, showing sort of the uh, majesty of sport and how it can uh, uh, go above every frontier and uh, border and uh, ideology, which I'm not sure really came through anywhere else. Because... To me, um, the Olympics was really another way for uh, a 
previously completely communist country, which is now, for in the case of Russia, not really communist anymore, and in the case of China, sort of uh, capitalist with a totalitarian uh, spin to it. But it was just a way for them to say, we are the big bad uh, wolf in, well, maybe not wolf, but the big bad guy on the world scene now, and you can deal, you can do anything without us. We are important, strong, powerful, and we're here. Um, you know, it's funny because um, I had a weird experience during the Olympics. Uh, we the the company I work for in the for my day job, we do a lot of uh, exporting from China hmm. or importing from China, I guess. Yeah, well, everyone and, uh, does, right? Yeah, it's kind of the way it is, and they are they're the manufacturer of the world right now, and they've taken that role away from the Koreans and away from the Japanese, and and who knows who's next? Maybe uh, when they're huge and rich, they'll uh, everyone will look to Africa for making microchips. Hmm. I don't know. But the bottom line is they, they, the people that we talk to over there and the different factories and the different representatives that we talk to about business, none of them seemed to even notice the Olympics were going on. Really? Uh, it is not like they would like you to think it is or the way it may even actually be in, when, when the Olympics are in France or in the U.S. or uh, the summer, next summer Olympics are in London. When those things happen, the whole place just goes Olympic crazy. Everybody pays attention. Everybody's watching them. And mm-hmm. then if you if you got people who don't like them, they're more vocal about how they don't during that time. You know, it's it's really getting the attention. But in China, I think it's probably just an, an issue of, you know, 1.6 billion people spread all over the giant, you know, the biggest continent in the world. Uh, and when you the further you got from Beijing, the less you knew about it. And we talked to factory people in places like Shenzhen, even even parts of Hong Kong, hmm. uh, and they're just like, oh, sure, whatever. You know, we they're just not even noticing it happening. Hmm. They you know, they couldn't figure out why we had one of our CEOs that was going to fly there for a meeting. They're like, why don't you come this week? And they're like, well, that's like right smack in the middle of the Olympics. You want me to come to Beijing right during the? And you, the they were like, oh, well, is that a problem? And he said, well, yeah, it's like a $30,000 ticket during that week. And they wow. said, oh, well, that's right. Well, it's next week after that then? I mean, they just don't care. Wow, and I was shocked amazing. by that. They don't yeah. seem to care. I don't think the national unity, everyone get behind the giant red behemoth, is really happening. Wow. Um, well, in France, it was definitely uh, happening. Uh, yeah. We were all Same completely, uh, yeah. Uh, so I guess it, it was the same everywhere except in China. Um, <laughs> That's what it seemed like. But again, I, you know, I'm sure there's a contingent that were thrilled about it. And, oh, yeah, of course. And exposed. Yeah. But I, I just think you have so many people spread so far out. You have so much rural area still in, in China. China is yeah. still so much farm and rice country with people mm. that have never seen a car. Uh, you know, how are they even going to get the Olympics, let alone even know what Beijing is doing? They probably have no idea. Yeah. Um, so for us, the big news, there were two of them. Um, the French did kind of, not really poorly, but we only got seven gold medals, which is less than usual, but we got 40 medals in all, which yeah. was sort of okay. Um, and the other thing was Michael Phelps. Um, this guy cannot be stopped. Yeah, he's he was amazing. insane. Um, so I'm, I can only guess how crazy things got, uh, in the U S uh, with him winning everything. Yeah. People are flipping out about him. And I have a couple of uh, I have a couple of issues. People love him or they hate him, uh, but most of the people I talk wait, to think wait, he's wait. taking. I'm, pre- I'm sorry. Think he's, why would they hate him? <laughs> they think he's taking performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> Let's put it simple as that. Um, I actually worked with somebody who was a uh, who was a a, a record getting decathlete uh, in college and was encouraged to move on from college to, to go professional because he was that talented. But all along the way, including college, he was constantly being encouraged by coaches to take certain uh, performance-enhancing drugs, in some cases back really? when he was running. Yeah, when he was running, it was more like, you know, good old-fashioned steroids. These days, it's all sorts of crazy stuff that's, you know, that list gets longer and longer every year of things that are banned. But mm. um, he is convinced that everybody who competes at that level... <laughs> takes performance-enhancing drugs. And his thinking behind it is this. They're not all sinister, mean people that are just thinking about how can they screw the system. He doesn't think that. Uh, what he thinks is 
that if you find out, okay, let's give you another scenario. If you are, uh, if you r- race cars with your friends and you find out your one buddy has put something in his engine that makes him go faster, but nobody knows about it yet, and if they did know about it, they'd probably ban it. Hmm. Well, for you to be on the on a level playing field, you have to do the same thing. Right. And for the guy who wants to compete with you, he's going to have to do that as well. And I've heard a couple of people say this, that why, what they really should do is they should let anybody use anything they want to use. <laughs> because then you have a completely balanced playing field, and it's just part of the same competition, and nobody's hiding anything and nobody's faking anything. It's just whatever fuel you need to compete... Let everybody compete in that same way. Well, he says. He says I, otherwise, people just can't go that fast. You cannot run that. He, and he, sp- yeah. he particularly focuses on track and field, not as mm. much swimming and other stuff. Well, now, what I, do you think about would, that? Do you think that's crazy? I would say, well, if you allow everything for everyone, pretty much, pretty soon you're going to have like bionic arms and stuff like that. And uh, I would say let's make two categories. Let's make the clean ones and the enhanced ones. That would work. Uh, hey, have you, have, have you heard about that guy who got both his legs uh, impu- imputed, uh, amputated mm-hmm. and who had uh, um, replacements for his feet and who was going faster than the guys who had both their, both, uh, their legs? Have you heard about yeah, this guy? I did hear about that. And that's, that, you, you bring up a really good point. I mean, what, so, when do you stop? Yeah. But the question is, if you did both, if you said, all right, well, here's the cybernetic enhanced <laughs> crowd... <laughs> But then here's the the pure human crowd that are just yeah. running on pure guts alone. The problem is, is it, you're you're playing on the honor system. And when a substance comes that's even just a natural supplement, say somebody finds a flower in Brazil that happens <laughs> to give you more energy for five extra seconds because that's all it takes. <laughs> um, then they're going to take it because a it's not on the list. B nobody yeah. else knows about it. And C you have a huge advantage. I don't think people can resist that. I think that they. They just they go for it. Now, I know there's going to be some people that say, not everybody plays dirty. And I agree, not everybody does. I don't even really yeah. think this as seriously as he does, but man, he is 100% convinced that, especially in track and field, every one mm. of those guys yeah. is used something. Hey, he, here's another controversy. Have you heard about the, this uh, age of the Chinese uh, gymnasts uh, thing? Yeah, yeah, I heard all about that. I I find that one more amusing than I do anything. But you know what? They kind of have a point. Those girls look way too young, dude. Well, and some I, of them, some of them were like two years ago. They were uh, four years younger than they were than they were supposed to be today. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm not expressing myself quite correctly, but like they were supposed to be, uh, tw- let's say, 12 two years ago, and now they're presented as if they were 16 because th- you have to be 16 to compete. Yeah, I, I, th- I honestly think there's some fibbing going on there. I don't know how you, I don't know how you prove it since those girls are basically property of the state. Yeah, they have um, a passport that says they are 16, so now they are officially 16. The the you know Olympic Committee uh, opened uh, an investigation, but again, there's nothing we can do. Yeah, you can't do anything about it to to find out. But I'm, you know, and I've seen like uh, experts, forensic experts who can look at the face and say, mm-hmm. well, the eyes should be here, and this age is not there yet, and blah blah mm-hmm. blah, and they have all these reasons. I think common sense can tell you that these girls are probably a little bit younger. But in the end, this is like, I don't know, it reminds me of, you know, the, the Olympics during Hitler's reign. You know, how they're going to put on whatever country is hosting or whatever country is just so desperate to, like, win in one area or another. They're going to do whatever it takes. And in this mm. case, they can do something that's impossible to prove otherwise. So why not? So all in all, was it uh, considered as a good thing that they had the Olympics in China, or was it like you know a bad thing because it's a totalitarian regime and uh, the whole uh, uh, Tibet thing? And was it a good thing for democracy or a bad thing for democracy? Which well, the US I think it's is a so good thing. To? It's a good thing for democracy, regardless whether or not the state even wants it to be. I think it is one because it gets you. It gets the people with people 
Hmm. Um, and the world, in my opinion, it always comes down to people with people. I mean, if you're going to have the Georgians hug the Russians, that's about people. That isn't about foreign policy, and it isn't about leaders. Hmm. Um, and it isn't about territorial disputes. It's about a bunch of guys that have worked really hard at certain sports in their life, and you know what? We're here together, and we're going to play together. Okay. And, and that's a great human basic sort of way of thinking, and I like that. I, it, that appeals to me. But I think the U.S.'s impression over all of the whole China Olympics thing was this. They don't Many people do not agree with China's policies when it comes to human rights and when it comes to um, worker rights and when it comes to the way that they run their country and mixing mixing uh, hardcore hardline communism with open market democracy and capitalism is a weird thing for a lot of people. They don't like how that feels. Mm. It feels just a little dirty and, and a little bit weird. Um, but on the whole... I think the U.S. is a sucker. I think on the whole we are a sucker for an exotic place doing something cool. And the way NBC presents the Olympics in our country is very positive. They water it down big time. They don't talk about Tibet. They don't talk about uh, massacres that occurred in some town somewhere. Yeah. They talk about the Great Wall, and they talk about the tallest mm. man in the world. They talk about this and that. And, and, that's, and that's where they, they put their their hearts and minds and people respond to that you know we want to we like a good story and we like this the stories of a of a country that's made up of this huge number of people that range from the common yeah. peasant to this amazing gymnast and then that appeals to people so i think i think it was positive overall but there is a lot of anger here about hmm. about china generally well, and and thinking they shouldn't have had the Olympics in the first place. Yeah. I guess it was very watered down here, too. We didn't talk too much about... Uh, previous, uh, before the Olympics, there was a lot of talk about Tibet and the controversy. But during the Olympics, everything died down, which was a little, little bit strange. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more uh, about this a little bit in the next uh, section. Um, but before we go to that, I just wanted to add one thing about uh, China, the, the Chinese uh, regime, which is on the iTunes Music Store, there was uh, an album co called Songs from Tibet by the Art of Peace Foundation. And Chinese declared that this was uh, an offense to the, to the Chinese people and that there was uh, rallying in the streets, quote-unquote, against that album. And so iTunes was made unavailable throughout China, like the whole store, the whole, Holy the whole thing. <laughs> so I guess however beautiful sport is, that still gives you a little bit of perspective for what the totalitarian regime of China uh, is capable of doing. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, let's uh, switch gears and go to our local stories. So for local stories, I guess I'm going to go first because I have uh, only two and they're pretty quick and I think we have to go fast. Um, the first one that was most important this month in, uh, in uh, France was uh, took the, the most of the second part of the month and was the uh, killing of 10 French soldiers ambushed uh, near Kabul in uh, Afghanistan. Um, and that was the first time uh, French soldiers were killed in a, a war situation in like 15 or 20 years. So it was a real shock to uh, the country. And... Uh, Everyone was very solemn about it. It didn't spring too much controversy about um, the 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 presence of, uh, of French uh, soldiers in those uh, in those areas. It did spring questions. I'm not saying it it didn't uh, bring anything up, but not a huge amount of controversy. And I think a, a lot of people seem to agree that this war is necessary. But um, there's still a reasonable amount of people who say that we should get out. I think the latest poll actually might prove me wrong because the latest poll we got was 55% of French people want out of uh, the Afghan war. But when you, you talk to, I guess my point is, when you talk to officials, um, most of the people are a, a lot more um, grounded, uh, a lot more... Um, solemn about it and they're saying well there should be a debate maybe but it's not like we should get out straight away no one really really says that in a very strong uh, voice um 
Did, did you guys hear about this? Because uh, it's sad to say, but you guys have uh, soldiers dying in Iraq and Afghanistan all the time. And yeah. so I'm not sure if this would make the news even. Oh, for sure. This is always coming up. Um, you know, <laughs> it's unfortunate because... I, I, I mean, the, the, French, the French soldiers, did the French soldiers make the news? They did. Um, not, it's not huge, but um, in, all, in all honesty, too, now you've got basically, you had the Olympics, the Georgia thing, and um, uh, what was the other thing we were talking about? Oh, and the election. Those three things are just eating up the news. Hmm. I mean, it's, you sense, can't yeah. get anything else, it seems like. There's a lot of news tickers about these little extra things, but, hmm. uh, you know, this, the whole poll and the idea that, you know, we don't want to lose any more men and all that, that's constantly on people's minds here. One of the things that's lost in all of this, I think, is that the Afghan war generally is thought of by many people here and abroad as a, as a more um, correct war, <laughs> uh, a war with a point, a war with, um, with uh, the, the power to make a change and do something mm. good. Yeah. And the Iraq war is seen as a complete screw out and a joke yeah. and a screw up and a mistake and all this other stuff. And it's too bad because what, what, what that does is that the Iraq part of it makes the other part seem really, you know, well, why are we doing that too? And, yeah. and uh, it's unfortunate that that's the case. Mm. But, yeah, it, it makes the news over here. And, and people have the – there's a lot of people that just need that stuff to be done. We just mm. want it to end. We don't want to lose any more, yeah. any more soldiers. And we've got, you know, people. some people say, well, look at this war compared to Vietnam. We've lost like 4,000 people in this war, and we lost 60,000 in Nam. Way more than that in World War II, hundreds of thousands. And I think, yeah. well, yeah, that, there is a big difference. But uh, yeah. we also live in a time where this stuff should just happen less. Well, I don't know about the time, maybe, but I guess to the extent that uh, the Iraq war is not necessary, let's put it nicely, and uh, the Afghan war is necessary, I think we we uh, agree, I mean the French people and, and the American people who think that uh, agree pretty much. In France, you know, the Iraq war was, we stood against the Iraq war, and when I say we, I said my my country, sure, um, of course. not me personally, but um, so yeah, that, that was pretty clear um, from the get-go. Um, the yeah. other big thing that happened in here was a visit from the Dalai Lama who came to like uh, see the biggest uh, temple, op the opening of the biggest te uh, Buddhist temple in Europe or something like that. Uh, he stayed for 12 days, made it very quiet. He met with uh, Carla Bruni, um, to which the, you know, Sarkozy's wife, our president's sure. wife, and yes. uh, the opposing the opposition uh, said that that was a cowardly move uh, by the president, which uh, it's an easy attack, but maybe. Um, and it it really didn't bring anything up about China. It was going on at the same time as as the Olympics, and uh, people were very quiet. And the Dalai Lama himself made it a very quiet deal. So I'm guessing it didn't uh, reach outside our borders, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, a little bit. But he's he comes up a lot, but when he comes up, it's usually like this, oh, look at this wise little tottering old man. What's China's <laughs> problem? You know, it's very uh, hmm. feel-good, sort of tacked on to the end of the news, you know, hmm. and, uh, and before we leave, the Dalai Lama visited such and such and, you know, blessed a cow on his way out or whatever. <laughs> and so you hear about that kind of stuff all the time, and, but it's never, the, the real story's never told. It's always like this very anecdotal sort of slap on the back, and hmm. boy, isn't this guy great, and I wonder who the next guy will be, and listen to this funny joke he told in the lobby before he went and spoke, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And they don't, they don't really ever give it a big, uh, a lot of serious fanfare, I would say. Even in the build-up to the Olympics, they didn't talk about um, it? Some, more, more then, yes, for sure. The Tibet thing was all over everywhere on hmm. the build-up to the Olympics. But it's as if opening ceremony started and everybody shut up. Yeah. It's well, weird. Same here, too. It's a, it's a little bit strange. I guess most of the major media was worried that they would be shut down in China if they did too much. I, I, yeah. th that would be my guess, but I don't know. And they had, they had real reason. There was a lot of reports of internet access being controlled when they were promised it wouldn't be and yeah um i don't think the i don't think the press enjoyed the trip i think yeah. overall a successful olympics but i don't think the the openness and the freedom that the chinese government promised journalists ever yeah. transpired 
Okay, let's go to your side of the pond. Uh, what happened in the U.S. in the past month? Well, uh, the big stuff has been, of course, the elections. Maybe the biggest announcement is uh, Obama picking Joe Biden, Senator Joe Biden, as his vice president running mate. Right. Uh, uh, this is a big, big deal because everybody had been scratching their heads wondering if he was going to pick Hillary, if he was going to, uh, you know, what he was going to do. Hmm. And uh, there's a lot of division with Biden. And so this is an interesting move for Obama, who's been enjoying a pretty uh, fun ride of sort of everybody loves Obama. There's a lot of sort of press love for him. And they're treating McCain like a doddering old man. And they're treating Obama like a superstar. And Wow, that, that's the, the feeling we get, maybe not as uh, condescending to, to McCain, uh, yeah. but that's the feeling we get in here. I was thinking that's only us because, you know, we're European and uh, horrible, and so we're favoring that <laughs> Obama guy. But, uh, well, no, I mean, you, might, you and I had a brief conversation before uh, recording uh, via email about my, my particular, my, or my own personal uh, political affiliation. Right. And uh, you might be surprised about where I actually sit on most of these things. Well, you, uh, you, you told me uh, a, few, a few months ago that you are... Uh, you, can we say who you voted for, or is that too private? I voted for... I'll tell you who I voted for, and I'll start in, I'll start in 1990... Well, let me think about this. We'll now start in 90. Now you're skewing it. I wanted the, the two last ones to get an uproar from people. Well, I'll give you the two, I'll give you the two last ones. I voted for no, Bush in ahead, 2000. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I voted for Bush in 2000. I, did, I voted for Clinton in uh, his first race uh, against hmm. George Bush Sr. Okay. Um, and, and, it's, and that was my first time to be able to vote anyway. I was, that was, you know, I was finally hmm. 18 and stuff. Um, But I voted for Bush in 2000. Uh, I didn't like Gore at all. Hmm. And I voted for... Um, I voted for Bush in 2004 based almost entirely on the fact that I hated John Kerry so much. Wow. <laughs> I hated his stance on things. I thought he was a big goober. I thought he was an elitist pig. I thought he was not the right man for any of this. And, and I felt a bit like the South Park guys when they compared it to to uh, choosing between a turd sandwich and a douche. And I, I had to pick the lesser of the two evils there. Uh, But, was not really, that was not a happy election. I did not enjoy voting. I, just, yeah. I, I, needed, I felt I needed to vote, and voting for the Green Party isn't really a great way to let yourself be heard. So I, mm. you know, I voted for what I felt at the time were the lesser of the two evils. But I, I um, guess... Um, I'm sorry, you weren't done. No, I was just going to say... A lot of people around here. I live in a very conservative state, as you might imagine, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's highly sort of been Bush favorable in the past. Um, it, there's a you know strong support for McCain here, although it's not quite as much as it uh, as much as it used to be. But um, I'm more I'm I'm socially very conservative in terms of you know certain things, um, but I'm also rather liberal in other things. I, I'm a weird sort of combination. Um, there's certain presidents in the past uh, that I would have, you know, I would have called Lyndon B. Johnson a total conservative as compared to what we would call a conservative today. Hmm. Um, there have been times where I thought Republicans were way more leftist <laughs> than, than right. Um, and, and like them, I'm, I sort of pick my, pick my candidates based more on what they say, what they do, and what I think they can do. Uh, for our country, and it and I, and it's it would surprise a lot of people that I am very favorable in the in the way of Obama right now. Really, very so so highly. you're 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 rooting for Obama. I am, I'm, and I'm and I'm doing it for many reasons, but one of them is I I cannot do another four to eight years of Bush style politics, and McCain has yet to convince me that he'll do anything otherwise. Now I know that no matter what your position on a lot of things is, when you actually get in there, status quo pretty much kicks in. To some level, hmm. um, but of the two candidates, who do I think is more likely to break out of status quo and do something different? Uh, I, Obama's the guy right now, in my opinion. So, how was? So, first of all, we hear about Biden, of course, but who is it really? Who is he really? What does he stand for? And how was the news received uh, in uh, in the U.S.? Well, Joe Biden is an interesting dude. He's very passionate. And um, 
Condoleezza Rice, who is in the current administration, or Secretary of State, she said, called him today a patriot and a, wow. and a worthy vice presidential candidate, which is a huge deal to hear from, you know, high-level cabinetry of, of the Bush mm. administration. Um, he's highly respected by a lot of his peers. He's also widely hated by a lot of people because of some extreme stances on certain issues, but uh, I think he's probably okay. I, he strikes me as a little bit too activist. Hmm. Uh, what I mean by that is somebody who's going to push something to the to the brink just because he's got to do it and not because it might be the right thing or the worst thing for the country or whatever it may be at the time. So I, I, I'm not isn't a little that torn a good on. thing that he, that he would stand for what he believes in? It is a good thing if he stands for what you believe in, but, you know, one could argue that, that Stalin stood for what he believed in and <laughs> okay. Hitler, Hitler stood for what he believed in. And the, the question is, will, okay. he stand, will he stand that strong for the things that, that his constituency believe in? And, mm, I and, and it's, it's arguable what that means and, and how many people really believe the same things about their politics or their country or whatever, but... I, I don't, you know, vice presidents tend to be a little bit impotent in terms of decision making. Although I guess yeah, Dick Cheney course. could argue that point. Yeah. Um, but but you know, Obama is a young, extremely healthy individual, and I, I don't see, you know, I see whoever McCain picks as a running mate as possible president. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. So that yeah, was a big deal. And then I'll say the last story that's been a big deal, and it hits very close to home. Mitt Romney, who ran for president but uh, dropped out during the primaries, late in the primaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how familiar the French people are with him, but he's a he's a Utah Somewhat. boy, born and mm-hmm. born and raised, extremely successful dude. Had a uh, he's the, go- the 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 crazy Christian guy. Well, he's Mormon actually. Oh, okay. I didn't so mean what I just said. A lot said. of people I'm didn't sorry. know that. No, no, a lot of people <laughs> didn't know that, and he's uh, and no need to be sorry. I would I would actually argue that he took some kind of extreme stances on some things I wouldn't think would have been smart to do. But anyway, he was uh, he was governor of a very liberal state for a long time in Massachusetts, did a really good job there, did some cool stuff with health care and some other things. And he was a, um, he ran the Olympics here in 2002. He was in charge of all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, took it from the brink of bankruptcy and corruption, because there were some issues with those who were running it, and turned it into one of the most successful games in the history of the of the country mm-hmm. so he's an extremely capable person he let some weird politics leak out during the run and i think he just had some bad advisors and some bad advice okay. um but the big talk is that he may be mccain's pick for vp and that's a big deal oh um, a lot of people are talking about that and uh love him or hate him he's an he's a extremely qualified leadership type dude Mm-hmm. Um, he's very results driven, and I, I I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, and that could swing a lot of people McCain's way. So we'll see. So would would the Mormon get uh, some of the uh, conservative uh, Christians uh, over to McCain? Because I've heard that the Christians were not very happy with McCain's uh, policies. Uh, a lot of them aren't, but a lot of them a lot of them also don't like. Um, uh, my brain just went dead. What's his name? I just Biden? said his name. Obama. Biden? No. Uh, Romney. 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 A lot of them don't like Romney because Romney represents, in their minds, a religion that tracks out their believers and converts them, and you know they don't like that. Okay, and so I, it, it and wouldn't it, be a move to to get uh, to get the Christian right. No, there's some, but I would say most. Mm. No, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I can't speak for them because I don't know enough about the Christian right and where they stand on a lot of issues. But mm. in terms of actual sort of systems of values and things, they're very similar. So yeah. so they shouldn't feel that way, but I think they see there's a there's kind of a weird relationship there where it's they're a threat but they're not the you know okay. I don't know. So it's weird. But that but that is a, that's kind of a big story. And who knows, that may not even be on McCain's radar, but that's that's all the talk right now. Well that definitely wasn't on our radar. We we all the stories were about uh, Obama and Biden and actually about <laughs> uh Clinton Uh, because apparently a lot of people are very unhappy with the fact that Clinton wasn't chosen as the VP, and as much as 25% uh, might vote for uh, McCain just out of spite again, because uh, uh, Clinton was left on the side of the road. Do you get yeah, that too? I, I, I guess I w- we do hear that here too. I guess I'm a little surprised that he didn't choose her, because it seemed like the natural thing to do, but perhaps that's not the best thing to do. I, I hmm. You know, Clinton is not well liked by a lot of people. Mm. <laughs> um, 
her husband's a charming dude and despite issues you know he had to face and deal with he you know generally people look back and go yeah the clinton years are okay you know he was all right yeah um but she's just kind of has a has a reputation anyway of being this mean sort of nasty cranky old bag who's just out to make heads roll <laughs> and whether that's true or not is probably arguable but uh, I'm not surprised at all, actually, they didn't choose her because I think that would have put them in a position of, all right, now we got to elect the first black president and the first female vice president in the history mm. of our nation. And right. I think that scares the crap out of them. Mm. I see. Uh, well, whether, it, I don't yeah. think it should, but I think it does. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, some people, when you, when you see what happened with the uh, arrest of the conspiracy against uh, Obama, um, you can imagine how that would be even more uh, difficult with a woman um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I, I could see where they're, they're coming from. And even if, uh, Clinton was the best, uh, can, candidate for vice president, uh, the, the, the way it would play out in the, in the people, in people's minds, uh, might justify the fact that he didn't choose her. So, yeah. And uh, you can imagine what the terrible fan fiction would turn out to be like. Nobody's interested what? in fan fiction. I always think about like, <laughs> this is so stupid. What but you know are how, you like, talking about? It's like this. I saw the other day somebody had created a love story between uh, <laughs> Captain Picard and uh, like Saruman or something from Lord of the Rings. Okay. And just psycho stuff, right? I just can't even believe this stuff exists. So in <laughs> I my can't head, believe we went back to that like in a second. Go <laughs> I ahead. just got this issue in my head of where somebody somewhere is going to write this horrible pornographic nasty story about clinton and obama and I, I, oh my God. not that that you should know, determine anybody's voting preferences or anything i'm just saying i think talking about porn there probably have already been some porn uh movies done like with clinton and obama probably I, i'm probably, sure that happened probably yeah it's like if it's if it can be done it will be done yeah. that's just the world we live in but yeah that's okay well, on on that very t uh, uh, tactful note, let's uh, slide on to our last uh, part of the show and our conclusion. So, for the uh, and now for something completely different, uh, I have a sort of funny, cute story. Um, do, do you have one, or should I go? I, I do. You go ahead. Okay, I so mine, hear you. Mine, is, mine is very short. Um, it's actually about a campaign that was uh, put on by the some kind of national uh, association against drunk driving in uh, the U.S., um, and, you know, they're run, running that on uh, Revision 3's shows, like uh, the Totally Rad Show and Dignation and stuff like that. And... You know, they're basically telling you don't drink and drive. Uh, people die when they d drink and drive. It's horrible. You have terrible accidents. And if you have an accident, you have this and this and this happen to you, as well as unexpected expenses, such as um, towing uh, fees and uh, repairing fees and loss of time at work. That's one thing they would mention in this in this uh, advert, yeah. and the reason why I, I'm I was so taken aback by that is that in France, if you talked about something like that, you would never imagine talking about the fact that you know if you're in an accident, you might lose some money because you're not going to be able to work uh, for this amount of days, because the the state would pay for it anyway. So. Wow. Moved to France. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it was sort of a weird little cultural thing that, you know, in an accident, we worry about the guy first and what's happening to him and the horrible experience that he's going through. And the state is going to take care of him anyway. So the fact that he must, might lose some money because he's not going to be able to work for a few days doesn't even come up. So yeah. I thought that was co kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. what's you, your know, uh, you know, we Americans, we like to... It's all pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I don't care if you're yeah. laying half dead. You get up there and work. <laughs> um, all right. My story has nothing to do with news. Okay. It's got nothing to do with anything that's important in anyone's life but me. Okay. Go ahead. So last night, 
I'm in here, my office, feverishly working on some uh, freelance work. I do a lot of illustration work in addition to all this other stuff I got going on. And I'm in here working on it and cranking it out the, fa- the best I can, the fast I can. And I have my door shut, and it's hot. Um, yesterday was the hottest day in Utah of the year. Today was really great, actually, because we had rain, and it was nice. But yesterday was boiling hot in here. I'm I got all these computers. picturing you, like, sweating at your work desk. <laughs> it's not a nice picture. No, it wasn't. And I, I've got my Wacom on that puts off a lot of heat, and my, my computer's over here, and the screen over here, and everything's just hot, and I'm not getting a lot of air in here, and the air conditioner was off, and... I'm just sweating away, and I'm going for it, and in walks, the door opens, and in walks my son and his little friend, uh, Coleman. They're eight years old each, and uh, Nick and Coleman come walking in here, and I'm sitting there, and I go, what's up, guys? And Nick goes, oh, nothing. We're just watching you, and it's quiet for about 30 seconds, and Coleman says, and I quote, how come your office smells like a bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I turn around, I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> what, what a horrible thing to say. It, apparently, I was just a reeky like, hobo in here trying to get my work done. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that with the world because that, <laughs> that, that was, was good a lovely story. And I think it's yeah. a perfect uh, story to end our show on. That's beautiful. Awesome. Um, so thanks a lot for sharing with the group, Scott. Um, Absolutely. Where can people go if they want to find out more about you, if some, like maybe one or two people who listen to this show don't know? (laughs) Well, if you don't know or care to know, uh, the best place to go is myextralife.com, and you'll find everything there, including the comic I do three days a week, the message boards, the blog that's updated all the time, multiple multiple times a day. You'll find links to the... The radio shows, my or the uh, Extra Life radio show, you'll find links to the instance, which Patrick is a part of as well. If you're into World of Warcraft at all, then you owe it to yourself to check that out. And uh, ways to contact me, find me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash extra life and uh, find out what I got going on every day. Cool. And my Twitter is uh, twitter.com slash not Patrick. And if you don't already know what Twitter is, uh, it's to complicated and difficult to explain and i don't think i figured it out uh, myself quite completely so i wouldn't really know um if you want to talk to us uh, you can go to well to me you can go to uh the phileas club.com the email address is uh contact at the phileas club.com and uh, a big announcement well not really but uh our dig uh, uh page finally went up it took months for them to approve the show i think they knew what they were getting in um so if you want if you are uh, familiar with dig.com digg.com uh you can go there well actually you can go to the phileas club.com and just uh, dig us uh, you'll see a nice button on the page and you can press it and it will give us uh, some uh, more digs and it will help us out to bring the show to more people and more a uh, bigger audience because uh, it's not as easy as it sounds to be heard. Uh, another thing you can do is go to iTunes and leave us a review. That would be really awesome also. And uh, I think that is it. And we are going to thank you for listening to the show. Uh, thanks, Scott, also for being here. You're welcome. It was great. It was really nice having you. And uh, that's it for us. We will talk to you next month. And thanks a lot for listening. Uh, Have a great month of September. Today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.